0: Welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Somoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to My Favorite Coffee Story. We
1: are so happy you joined us today. We have an incredible show and wonderful guests on the show. We're talking about Kona in Your Cup. We're talking all about the upcoming Kona Coffee Cultural Festival that's going to be coming up for 10 days in November. It's the 47th annual uh, festival that uh, is happening here in Kona. We cannot wait to share stories about that. And we have a wonderful guest that I'll be soon introducing. Valerie Corcoran. Before I introduce our special guest, I always love to share some. Kona Farm moments. So now it's time for those Kona Farm moments. So we've been picking coffee. We're in the middle of our wonderful um, coffee harvest, and we're picking red cherries, so that's been wonderful. And we continue to prepare our Kona gift baskets that we'll be sending um, for the holiday season. Uh, and the other thing, if I could share, it's so wonderful, we'll ta- we're talking about Kona and Kona's heritage today because uh, this is our 13th show and we've been doing this pilot show Um, with Voice America and it's been such an honor and such a delight to share these stories all around the world with our listeners Um, Voice America has over 4 million listeners in in over 140 countries and we just feel so thankful that we can share and we are going to be continuing sharing my favorite coffee stories so um, that's just been so special. Thank you for joining us in the last few weeks and can't wait to share more stories in the times ahead head. So um, now if I may introduce our wonderful guest Valerie Corcoran and she's the president of the Kona Coffee Cultural Festival and she's been president since 2016 but she's been involved with the festival really for several years since 1991. She's done a variety of things and she's going to be joining us and talking about the upcoming Kona Coffee Cultural Festival November 3rd through 12th in Kona. Welcome Valerie to my favorite coffee story.
2: Thank you, Aniko. It's very nice to be here.
1: Oh, we are so delighted. So, Valerie, you have an amazing um, personal journey, how you've been involved with coffee um, for many years and involved in the coffee festival. Please tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up on a coffee farm.
2: Well, actually, I did not grow up on a coffee farm like most people. However, we had a little coffee land, about two acres. And um, my experience then was um, we had to pick coffee. Um, In those days, you had to climb tall ladders because they believed that the um, Best coffee was way up in the sun, getting the sun. So anyway, our coffee um, baskets were five-pound coffee cans. So okay. my mother could hear if we were picking coffee or if we were fooling around because you could hear the plink, plink, plink <laughs> of, of the coffee can. And my, because I was the oldest child, I, my responsibility when it rained was to run and pull the roof over our hoshidana. And I don't know if you have that on your farm. But it's, um, you know, it's about 10 feet up in the, uh, up in the, um, on a building with a roof that has rollers on it so you can pull it over. And um, that used to be my, and then raking the coffee um, to turn it while it was drying. And that's, that was my duty to do. And... um, Those are my stories, you know. Um, My dad used to process the coffee, and then we used to sell parchment in those days. We weren't selling um, cherry like they do now.
1: Yes. Well, those are wonderful family times on the farm. Do you still have that farm, Valerie?
2: Actually, um, when coffee prices went down, my dad bulldozed the acreage, and we planted... Put tomatoes. We had a tomato <laughs> farmer who um, leased the land from us. And, of course, now that's no longer tomato. It's just um, we have some trees that my mom planted. We have fruit trees and magnet trees now on that property.
1: It um, it sounds like then it's still nice that you have those special times on the farm. But you've been volunteering for the Kona Coffee Cultural festival since 1991. How
2: did you first start volunteering? Well, I moved back to Hawaii from the mainland, and um, a friend of mine approached me and said, Hey, you're a coffee picker, you want to get involved with this? And I said, Why? Um, (laughs) And I got involved with the um, Kona Waina High School, they have the Future Farmers of America. And the instructor who um, taught this class was a local boy also. And so what we had was called a farm fair. And the money we um, got from the farm fair was to pay for off-island future farmer activities, events. And that's how I got involved. And it was basically... At the gym and it had everything related to farming commercial farmers we did lots of demonstrations we even had a cooking um, demonstration and sort of a small cooking baking contest and um, that lasted for about five years and it's very sad because the students lost interest he didn't have enough students who were interested in this future farmers but one of the highlights of helping them is we did have a student there who became the state president and um that to me was well worth those few years because it showed that you know they from a little town this is a little town that that's, they could bring a state president you know
1: yes that's that's part. amazing Definitely. You know, the Kona coffee is really world famous. And I think it's wonderful that during this festival, now it's the 47th annual, we celebrate Kona, its heritage, coffee, um, history, music, dance, art, um, et cetera. What's your favorite part of the
2: festival, Valerie? Well, I really like the Lantern Parade because it's traditional, and I just love the um, excitement of the people who are watching the parade and all the different cultures that are involved with the parade, and actually, I was involved... um, with the cultural program after the parade. And it again, culturally, so we had different ethnic groups. Not only did they participate in the parade, then they performed at the end of the the parade. So that's one of my favorites. The other favorite um, is the Holuolo Stroll because people get to taste Coffee, as well as Cihololua, is an art center. And then, of course, I never um, entered any of my coffees, and I did have a coffee farm after my parents um, didn't have one anymore. I, um, I like the cupping because this is what Kona Coffee is about, is finding the right coffee to represent our, you know, our small 600 farmers. That's all we have, and um, that to me is something that is exciting: is to see all of these participants' um, entrants to see who has the best coffee, Kona coffee.
1: Well, yes, yes, absolutely. You know, Kona coffee is, you know, it's so rich. People talk about it's um, really nice. Uh, gentle flavors, but yet it still has sort of that, you know, the cacao undertones and the rich flavors. What would you say is sort of a general way to describe some of the adjectives that people use about Kona coffee?
2: Robust. Um, Robust. Actually, you should save that for um, Sean. Um I am kind of a snob about Kona coffee. One of my things with Kona coffee is how smooth it tastes. It doesn't have a really bite to it. And um, that's pretty much, you know, I go to different um, restaurants that serve it. That pretty much is it, that it's not really so strong that, you know, we always say you put hair on your chest. Um <laughs> so that's how I it has a great aroma that's the other thing you know you can smell that how good it smells and that's those are my descriptions of Kona coffee
1: Yes, I, I think that's exactly how I would describe it, too. And um, the festival really does a wonderful job in celebrating all the people who have been involved in Kona's past and will be in Kona's future. Um, how are you now preparing for the festival? What What's sort of the the theme that you're focused on for this year?
2: Our theme this year, which really... It's called a Sip of Aloha. And so that really brings out this different um, atmosphere. You know, have you seen our button? And it it just has more of a, not so much party, but it's um, a happy, a happy um, feeling with this this button this year and with a sip of aloha see i kind of like that um it's kind of catchy you know that that's what we're bringing that's what the festival is about aloha
1: it's it's a perfect theme sip of aloha i love that um and you know i can just picture as Each day unfolds during the festival with the 10 days of activities. Um, That's a lot of coordination. You must have a great team. How are you all working together to to put everything in place?
2: And that's why I said we are very thankful to have current events. Laura keeps me on task, and we have (laughs) our committee and board members that really make this happen. uh, With all these events and, you know, new events this year, like um, the barista, and you can have Sean talk about the barista. These are new events. Um, We have more participation from the Historical Society, and they have that living farm. And they are going to be, they will have a display at the Ho'olalea, another culturally focused um, event and it's just it comes to people it's come to it comes down to volunteers everyone is a volunteer to put this on
1: well, it, it really shows. There's a lot of love that goes into the event. And whether one is a visitor to Kona or a resident, it's something that we all look forward to and appreciate celebra- celebrating Kona's heritage and special past. Um, and I'm, I'm just so thankful to you, Valerie, for actually helping and making this festival happen. And thank you also to Laura. It, it makes... Uh, just it's such a gift to the community so thank you for all that you're doing with that Um, you know and as a Kona coffee farmer um, I can also say I'm so thankful that we can actually take this time And 10 days is a wonderful amount of time to celebrate all angles of what makes Kona Kona special we'll be talking certainly about Kona's history and a little bit about um, Kona coffee stories in our next segment but before we'll go to break I'd love to actually ask you Valerie as you've been living on the Big Island in Kona um, what would you say how would you describe you know life on the Big Island
2: laid back um, we have places here that no, the, uh, that are not on the other islands. Um, we have the mountains. It is something that is just so majestic. Um, we have snow here. Nobody else, no other island has some, that. And because of our volcanic um, soil that's and elevation, we do have a really good coffee. You know, it's the environment, the the right climate. Kona coffee and um, that's why I I still believe that we still have some um, places that that the tourists aren't um, that are not available to the tourists I still think we have places like that and we should appreciate it
1: I I find the Big Island to be a very special place with such a diverse um, topography and culture. It's a very special place, and we look forward to talking a little bit more with you, Valerie, about um, sip of aloha and the upcoming Kona Coffee Cultural Festival. Right after the break, please join us. Thank you.
3: Live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceofamerica.com.
0: My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Ani Kona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Ani Kona Farm, you're investing in new memories stories and experiences we harvest our beans with your future story in our heart so from our heart to yours enjoy the Kona experience may your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our kona coffee with love please visit anikona.com and get your anicona story coffee special today
3: with Arvind Vora Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice
0: America Variety Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America It's always free and easy You're listening to my favorite coffee story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show.
1: Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We've been having such a fun chat with Valerie Corcoran, president of the Kona Coffee Cultural Festival, and that's coming up this November, November 3rd through 12th. We've been sharing about um, Valerie's personal journey, what it's been like to living on living on the Big Island, favorite parts of the festival, and now we're going to talk a little bit more about the coffee felt. Cultural Festival and its history and some of those stories that have really made Kona coffee what it is Hi Valerie, so the, I understand that the first coffee planted here it goes back to close to 200 years in 1829 by a missionary Samuel Ruggles Could you please tell us a little bit more about that history?
2: Okay, well That history, they actually brought it to Oahu. It didn't come to Kona. You know, part of this um, history of the Kona coffee actually was mainly done by the Japanese um, people who came here, who originally worked on the plantations and then decided, well, many of them came to the Kona side and, And, you know, they started their own coffee plantations then. Oh, I see.
1: Yes. So when you're pulling together the events for the cultural festival, the coffee cultural festival, how do you weave in those historical elements through the 10 days of the festival?
2: Um, Like I said, we have an affiliation with uh, the Historical Society they have the Kona Coffee living history. And um, so they actually have an original coffee farm. And they still have the original equipment. And the Hoshidana, they, they actually, you know, I don't know if you visited that one, but the history on that is amazing that they have an authentic coffee farm. And the other things that we like to tie in again, I mentioned the lantern parade. That is, and then the we bring in a lot of cultural things through the whole Laulala. They have many demonstrations of um, Laulala weaving. Um, Hawaiian side, they have drum making. They have the lei contest. It is pretty amazing, and that's how we tie in many of the cultural things with the festival.
1: How beautiful. That's fantastic. And it, it sounds like when someone gets their button for the festival, they can actually attend all the days of the festival. Is that right, Valerie?
2: Yes. We Which have is great. no fees. Yeah, and for $3, such a deal, <laughs> huh?
1: That's amazing. Yeah. So the finale of the event um, on day 10, uh, it sounds like with all those beautiful days and from cupping, I know there's also a Miss Kona coffee and Miss Aloha Hawaii scholarship pageant. Um, That's also woven in between the days. How, How does that
2: go? Yes, I'm sorry I didn't mention that. They um, that would be on the Saturday, the first Saturday, and um, I was able to attend the Miss Hawaii contest last year, and it is um, we have come a long way with the Miss Kona Coffee um, pageant. It, I'm I'm not kidding you when I say in the beginning it really was a mom and pop, completely done by. Local friends who provided um, the entertainment, and in those days, I think the only people we paid were the um, the commenta- you know, the hosts of that. But it started at the Kehoe Beach Hotel, and all that was donated. So when we think now of, of us um, going to the Sheraton and using the Sheraton. The pageant has come a long way, and it is a scholarship pageant. So we encourage these young women to continue with college, and um, that's why it makes it really exciting to speak with them, to talk with them during the um, festival, because they will be there for photo ops during the, the festival.
1: Oh, that's a great program. How how wonderful! Well, I think that that's a great opportunity to encourage, uh, you know, young women to continue along in their college. And um, so, thank you so much for doing that. I I think that's a great program. Uh, when you think of your time, maybe being part of the Kona Coffee Cultural Festival, Valerie, would you? Kindly share with our listeners some of your favorite kind of coffee stories, either over meetings with someone or with a farmer or um, as you've been organizing the, um, the pageant or the festival. What are some of your favorite coffee stories, please?
2: Well, one of our, um, the face of the coffee cultural festival is Norman Sakata. And the and and the other people like Alfreda Fujita. These are the people who are the background of the festival. And I'm sorry, I'm getting teary because we lost Alfreda this year. And oh, sorry. she was my back. I tell you, she was always there to back me up when I decided to to become the president. And um, it's all about the people. It's about... It is. It's about all these volunteers, you know, who put on the whole Aulea. Yes. Just the little stories about the artists last year who, you know, at the last minute, we had these artists show up for the cupping because the cupping... It it was just cupping, you know. It just had the judges there and the people helping to do the cupping. No one to explain about the cupping. Um, We did have um, someone talking about the roasting, which was interesting. But these artists, many of them who volunteered to show up, a lot of them were the um, winners of our previous buttons. So it was um, so interesting, see, to talk to them and they, you know, to see their support. Um, those are some of the stories. It, it, again, the whole festival is about people. It's about talking story with the people who've come from the mainland, from Canada. I mean, yes. I was shocked from, you know, Florida about so many of them who've returned for the festival. Those are the stories that are just, you know, heartwarming.
1: Very heartwarming. And I think the theme that you've decided on this year, Valerie, Sip of Aloha, really, I think, um, recognizes that it is the people. And um, as you describe special people who have been involved in the festival and part of our community, that's actually what what makes the festival so Incredibly unique and special, and so thank you for, you know, making this a special time for for people in our community, Valerie. So thank you. So as you manage the festival, and you are so nice to take the time to chat with us today, and our listeners so appreciate it as well. I I know right now it's a busy time, but how would you describe, please, your how you balance your time? Um, between managing the festival as well as enjoying your days?
2: I am, I'm retired. (laughs) And, And so that does give me more time to put towards the festival. And because of retirement, you know, I do have time to pick coffee. I still have an acre that I take care of. And, um, other than that, you know, I'm a, a, a grandparent, so I'm very thankful to be able to spend a lot of time with my grandchild. But that is basically, and again, um, Laura keeps me on track because <laughs> there are lots of things happening. There's stuff going on with the different committees, with getting, can you imagine all the permits we have to get? It is true. It's, uh, yeah, what happens just to put on this lantern parade. It, it's really interesting. Um, those are the things that keep me busy and a little stressed, but um, that's, that's what happens. This is, you know, we um, meet during the year. This isn't something we just get together two months before this. We plan this through the year. We start in January planning for this, and um, and so it is, we meet monthly, and some months we have to meet more times, and it's meeting lots of people, it's dealing with hotels, it's dealing with the county, um, it, It's and, you know, we are very blessed to have a state agency that supports us, and it makes this all possible possible. Um, so Hawaii Tourism Authority really helps us out, and well, that's what
1: we do. <laughs> yes, well, I know a lot goes into it, and uh, certainly all the the love and the care and the aloha that you all do to make this happen is a, just such a nice way to honor um you know, Kona coffee. The pioneers who, who were here, uh, pioneering Kona coffee. The heritage of people who were immigrants here and people of Japanese descent and all that. The the efforts that you do really are appreciated. So. Uh, We're just we're just so thankful. So I can imagine that you start in January. And um, it sounds like you have good times still between you're still picking coffee right now, maybe and and enjoying your your granddaughter, etc. What would you say is sort of your favorite time when it's coffee harvest season?
2: Favorite time, and by the way, it's a grandson. No um, oh, grandson, pardon no, me. No, <laughs> because you know what? I have friends listening, and they are all going to say, oh, no, that's not a granddaughter. So okay, um, pardon my <laughs> picking, no, my picking is, I like picking. Um, you, I don't know if you, okay. I like picking because it is so amazing to see all those red cherries on the and and I time myself to see how fast I can pick and um, last year I I processed my coffee instead of selling the cherry and so I like going up and fooling around um, when it's on the drying racks you know and picking out all the the yucky stuff, and and you know, unfortunately for us, we do have the bore, and so I'm always looking for the coffee with the holes in it, and getting rid of that, and um, and and that's I, I like the quiet time in the coffee land because I am the only person that cleans and picks and fertilizes has to spray. Um, and for me, the picking is the um, time when it's very, um, you know, rewarding to see all and your hope, efforts.
1: <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, I hope your grandson is helping you sometimes out there picking.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's so funny. He, he did come to the farm, and he's still young. He's only two and a half. And he is just, his, if he's a little boy. He takes a stick, and he starts whacking things. And he's whacking Coffee Bird. I'm saying, hello, we have to pick that. <laughs> but he <here>. is.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, Val- Valerie, are you giving him, though, or are you still picking and putting it in the can like your mother gave you?
2: No, thank heavens. I have a really <laughs> nice. Um, bamboo basket, but no, he is not at the age yet where I'm going to get him a little basket to, <laughs> to pick coffee. Yes. <laughs> yes,
1: for our listeners, um, Valerie was mentioning the boar beetle that as a community and coffee farmers, we're all pulling together to try and, and uh, restrict or help against the boar beetle, and we often will, will try and use a, an organic fungus that, that mm-hmm. does help but we all pull together and so i can completely appreciate what you're saying valerie about that (laughs) (laughs) so um well we've had such fun valerie talking about your involvement being president of of the kona coffee cultural festival i know it's going to be an incredible event this year and uh Sip of Aloha is definitely going to just weave through every single day. So what a fun time it's going to be in Kona. And it's fun that we have this event right after the Ironman because Kona is just all ecstatic about, you know, sort of the athletic elements of the Ironman triathlon. And soon thereafter, we have this lovely Kona Coffee Cultural Festival, which um again, just continues uh, the celebration in Kona. So I think the timing is great. Of course, the timing is also perfect with our coffee harvest. So right now we're all very busy picking, and uh, so it's a great way to celebrate Kona coffee, and it's just delicious um, taste and heritage. So um, we'll be going into the break here shortly, and I just would love to say it's been fun chatting with you, Valerie, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Kona coffee with Dr. Sean Steinman, who is actually uh, a coffee expert. He is a coffee scientist, and he will tell us a little bit more about what is unique about Kona coffee, um, about the cupping, and uh, kind of what really makes Kona coffee uh sort of hold its own on the global scene and uh, as a specialty coffee so we've really had fun talking about the festival and we'll continue chatting a little bit more about Kona coffee with Dr. Sean Steinman thanks again Valerie thank you
3: Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time, the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com.
0: My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Onicona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona story coffee special today.
3: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
0: You are listening to my favorite coffee story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anicona.com. Now, back to this week's show.
1: Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We've had such a nice time talking with Valerie Corcoran, president of the Kona Coffee Coffee Cultural Festival, and that festival is happening in Kona November 3rd through 12th in 2017. It's the 47th annual Kona Coffee Cultural Festival, um, and it's it's just a wonderful event celebrating Kona. And we have with us right now, uh, Dr. Sean Steinman has joined us and uh, here in Kona, and he is involved in coffee research. Um, he's actually running the Kona Coffee Cupping Contest. As part of the festival. And so we are so delighted to welcome Dr. Sean Steinman to the show. Welcome, Sean.
3: Thank you. I'm quite pleased to be here.
1: Oh, well, it's it's amazing that you're a coffee scientist. I know you're an author of various, you know, various coffee articles and, and coffee books and a consultant of Cafea Consulting. That's I know correct. also. Yes, you're an owner of Daylight Mind Coffee Company in Kona, which is a wonderful place to go to have delicious food and a delicious cup of coffee. So uh, I think it'll be wonderful that the festival will have its cupping contest there at Daylight Mind Coffee Company in, in Kona. Tell us, please, a little bit about what's unique about Kona coffee.
3: That's a uh, a really fun question, but it's unfortunately really hard to answer okay um so lots of places grow coffee and lots of farmers grow coffee and there's lots of things farmers can do to engage their coffee and to 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 grow it and to process it and to roast it and there's there's a lot that goes into coffee and what ends up being like so when you think about all the coffee all around the world you know every place is maybe a little bit different and every farm's a little bit different and kona is a place one amongst many countries and many places that grow coffee. But there's uh, something that, that mesmerizes us about Kona. And Part of it's because those of us who live here recognize just how spectacular a place it is. But in terms of the coffee, it comes from uh, people and a culture that are just so amazing. The coffee tastes great. It can certainly taste great. And there's a whole variety of, a whole range of flavors that a Kona coffee could taste like. But it's one of the rare places where um, you can not only drink the coffee, but have an easy conversation with the farmer and have this connection to where your coffee really comes from. In terms of you know, the coffee being special, in terms of the coffee making you feel different or better about the world, I mean, you can't match Kona coffee. It's so easy to, to engage at every level, and that, that's what makes it special.
1: Oh, it does. How would you, uh, we talked a little bit about how we would describe Kona coffee with Valerie and smooth and robust. Um, how how would you describe Kona coffee?
3: I would love to give you a simple answer, but I, I cannot because it's not a simple answer. <laughs> okay. So when we think of um, Kona coffee, we, we often think about what Kona coffee was like several decades ago. And I say that because yes. several decades ago is, as uh, Valerie mentioned, you know, the farmers would grow the coffee and they might sell the cherry, they might sell the parchment. But, you know, several decades ago, farmers didn't sell roasted coffee to consumers the way they do today. What ended up happening was that all the coffee was sold and it sort of went through a handful of different processors and central mills and all got blended together and then you had this flavor that became recognized as Kona coffee. And that's sort of the experience that you and Valerie were talking about. You have this coffee that really tastes like coffee. It's not bitter. It's not sour. It's got a little bit of brightness, maybe. But really, it just makes you think coffee with a little bit of pizzazz. And It's simple and it's comfortable. Um, It doesn't have anything that might be, generally speaking, anything that's unpleasant to it. And that's There's a still lots of Kona coffee that tastes like that today. Sorry, go ahead. Oh,
1: that's a great way. That's a great way to describe it, Sean. Uh, definitely, and a lot of our customers talk about it, Kona coffee, in terms of the experience. Um, you know, it's not bitter. It sort of it helps you linger during your conversation. So it, it. Uh, I think it is unique for Kona coffee. Not to mention, it grows in volcanic soil and gives such delicious flavor to the coffee itself. Uh, What would you say right now, Sean, is sort of the latest in coffee research, since you're sort of on the cutting edge of coffee science?
3: Well, we're at a really exciting time right now in coffee research. Um, Things have really taken off in the last decade. And traditionally, a lot of coffee research was fun stuff that drinkers wanted or was uh, medically important. So is coffee good or bad for you? Uh, what can we do with it? Uh, how do we how do we make it better when we're brewing it at home? How do we roast it? Uh, but there's always been a lot of research also not as well publicized about growing it and doing things to help the farmers. But where we're at today, that's really, really exciting, at least for me, because this is something I worked on myself, is the, the science of taste and the chemistry of taste and how do we wrap our heads around this this, this very complicated product and how do we talk about it from a chemical and a sensory perspective uh, and that's just the, the start of what people are really starting to pursue and then how that relates to well if this coffee might taste like this how did we get there and then you can backtrack to try to find out what are the things that are making it taste that way That being said, there's all kinds of other research too, but that's my favorite stuff I want to tell you
1: about. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's great. Um, Because coffee research really does cover a variety of things like coffee production, entomology, ecology, physiology, biochemistry, and even brewing. And uh, a little bit about, now I'm not going to say, maybe quite say this correctly, but organoleptic quality. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so... So, as you've been actually doing your coffee research, you've sort of covered a variety of those areas. Uh, which area are you really focusing in currently?
3: Uh, these days, I really focus in on uh, the organoleptic quality, the uh, science of coffee taste and how we talk about taste and how we record taste. Um, I've done some entomology work lately, but really, particularly with the, with the festival this year and my role in the cupping competition, it's about using our knowledge of sensory science and human, uh, humans' ability to be instruments and how can we use that, uh, that information to, to create better systems of utility for, for something as simple as a competition or as simple as how do I talk about my coffee to a customer. No, we're, humans are complicated beings, we're not very good machines, and we want to be machines, and so we pretend to be machines, <laughs> and that doesn't always work so well in terms of what ends up coming out of us. So um, my, my dabbling in coffee science now is about translating us as hu- terrible human machines to our practical information.
1: Oh, that's fascinating. Um, what, what would you say is sort of the current Kona coffee culture or vibe as we're sort of going into the festival this year and the cupping? Uh, what's sort of the vibe?
3: I think there's two um, sort of vibes that are happening. And it, it reflects this idea of culture being something that happened in the past and culture that's happening now. And the way we talk about the, the flavor of Kona coffee, I think, exemplifies that. this this duality. There's that sort of historical, cultural aspect we have. This is what what we want to celebrate happened to us in the decades past and the two centuries past we've been growing coffee here. And it's about um, exploring our history and who our ancestors were, and for me, who's not even from Hawaii, who, who helped build this industry and this place that I've come to love so much. So that's one aspect, and you come across many people who embrace that, and I think Valerie's a really good example of that. Uh, as it turns out, Valerie's also a very good example of um, the more modern, this-is-what's-happening-now culture, which is not necessarily different from the other historical one, but can be. And it's sort of reflected in the taste. So we had this conversation not too long ago about what the traditional Kona coffee tastes like, but that's not what all Kona coffee tastes like. An individual farmer can do lots of things, as I said, to create the flavor of coffee. And there's people who are exploring the flavor of coffee in a way that makes it a very complex and modern and complicated uh, beverage, the way, you know, sort of a beverage that you might talk about, the way you might talk about a really interesting chocolate or a wine or a whiskey, for example, whether it tastes like coffee, but tastes like something else. And this sort of modern flavor profile is mimicked by the modern sense of coffee is something that excites us and it's intellectually stimulating. It, it sparks our emotions and we want to make it art of it, right? We have latte art competitions and we have, um, baristas who, who make, making brewing coffee, their profession, their job, they care so much about, they just want to do this. We have people who roast coffee in this very precise way that, that tries to really tweak the identity of coffee to make it, um, unique and special so to, to recap I'd say we have these these two vibes that are happening one that is uh, embracing of who we once were and the other one is an embracing of who we are and who we want to transform into.
1: Yeah that describes it personally it really does and like you say how it actually is roasted when it's picked Um, you know, how long it's dried, all those things really do contribute to that sort of um, current vibe as well and we've noticed that when we work with the Halulu Kona Coffee mill and they roast our coffee our Kona coffee they do a great job in doing an air roast which um, mm-hmm. our, cu- our customers are saying they really like because you can really taste a pure Kona taste they tell me um, what's your thought on air roasting versus kind of the traditional roast
3: versus using a heated drum you mean? Yes, um, yes. They're both really um, great ways of roasting coffee. Um, you know, air roasting, you use hot air and you blow it through the beans. And, and uh, you know, uh, uh, from an engineer's perspective, it's a much more efficient way of transferring heat. And so the roasting becomes a different process using hot air than it does using a, a drum. That's like a clothes dryer, right? You just stick the coffee in this dryer and it, the dryer's heated and it spins around to stir it. And So we have these two methods. Um, I've had some extraordinary air-roasted coffees, and I've had some extraordinary drum-roasted coffees. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm also personally a person who really values diversity versus sameness. So I would love it to have, say, your coffee roasted at Hilo both on their air-roaster and their drum-roaster, and you could take them side-by-side side and, and celebrate those differences rather than, say, one is better than the other. Um, everybody likes something a little bit different, and everybody gets to like what they like, so... Let's celebrate that. True. Versus true. Trying to pick a favorite.
1: Such a good point. I, I do think that the coffee really is a celebration, and everyone loves something a little bit different, whether it's a medium roast or a dark roast. Over there at Daylight Mind Coffee Company, you have delicious coffee. Um, Thank you. What spins? Yeah, uh, and and I can see that you really. Uh, do a great job in, in helping the coffee be so delicious. What are some of the elements of the daylight mind coffee?
3: Well, you know, we're just the very last piece of the puzzle. Uh, we have to buy our coffee from farmers who have to do all the stuff to make it happen. The farmers have to you know, plant it and grow it and support it and pick it and process it and dry it down. And you know, we're just you know our our part starts at recognizing their efforts and choosing the farmers that we think are doing a job that matches what we're after. And then once we get it, we have to then pamper it as well. We have to make sure we store it well. We have to make sure that we roast it in a way that, that we think exemplifies identity, right? How you roast it, not just how dark it gets, but how you get to that darkness level has a big influence. And- we, as a roaster, choose what, what that taste to be like. I mean, you can't invent the taste; it's, you have what you have to work with, but you can manipulate it a bit. And then, of course, you have to make sure it's fresh because poppy changes over time. And and of course, as a roaster in a cafe, we have to brew it in a way that doesn't make it bitter or sour or <laughs> unpleasant yes. in any way. You so know, we're just yes. uh, we're caretakers of a farmer's product, really.
1: Oh, that's so fun. Um, when you actually were at the University of Hawaii and you were doing your graduate work in coffee science, uh, what what was sort of the inspiration behind sort of really diving into coffee science?
3: <laughs> I don't know if the word is inspiration, but maybe just um, <laughs> following my own little American dream by accident. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, at the end of my undergraduate Uh, experience. One day you wake up and you realize, oh gosh, this is going to end. I have to do something else. And uh, no one usually prepares you for that moment. And so I started thinking about what was I going to do after college. And um, the short version is I ended up having this opportunity to come to Hawaii for two years and study coffee in the master's program. I thought, gosh, I love science. I love school and I love coffee and God, how bad could it be to live in Hawaii for two years? <laughs> so the inspiration was um, playing with a hobby of mine for a couple of years until I figured out what was going on. And as it turned out, um, that playing that hobby was something that really interested me on an intellectual and emotional level. Uh, coffee is a fun, interesting thing, and it dabbles everywhere from science to culture to art to, Social sociology anthropology—you could talk about it all kinds of ways—and I just stumbled into that rabbit hole and been hanging out there ever since. <laughs> I just—I was a scientist very early, and when I discovered that my my hobby and my scientific interest could align, it just seemed like a good thing to pursue. Until it—until it ended, which it never has. So,
1: well, I'm pretty and, happy, uh, pretty lucky, definitely. That's it. Sounds like a really great way to bring your interests to sort of your everyday, which is wonderful. And we're about to close here, uh, Sean, but I was also hoping, kind of as uh, another question, if I may ask you, you've authored an interesting book called The Hawaii Coffee Book, a Mm gourmet's guide from Kona to Kauai. Um, If you'd be kind to Quickly just tell us sort of the the inspiration behind that book, please.
3: That book, I was I was asked to write that book when as I was finishing up my dissertation and my advisor encouraged me and he says, No, no, this is going to be really good and fun for you. You should just do this. And the the reason I, I wanted to do it was because I had spent at that point almost eight years studying coffee science and really digging deep in this arena. But coffee for most people isn't chemistry and horticulture, it's drinking and enjoying. And here I had this opportunity to write about coffee for people who are just interested in how it grows and how it's processed and how we think about it, how we roast it. Uh, It was sort of my chance to invent a, a, a teaching tool or maybe a soapbox of how I can tell my vision of coffee for people. And I got to do it through this lens of Hawaii coffee. So it's a really great book about coffee, but also about Hawaii.
1: Oh, that's a really wonderful book. And um, I just... I'm really excited that you're part of the Kona Coffee Cultural Festival, the cupping contest and um, being part of that and thank you so much for sharing a lot about Kona coffee and what makes it uh, unique and the experience around it and the coffee culture and the vibe here in Kona as well as a little bit about coffee science and what's sort of the latest in research, coffee research. So we really appreciate that. Sean, so thank you for joining us today and sharing some of your favorite coffee stories and we also thank again, Valerie uh, Corcoran, president of the Kona Coffee Cultural Festival, and I know it's going to be an incredible festival November 3rd through 12th as we celebrate a little bit more about Kona Coffee and the um, wonderful Kona heritage that we have, so uh, what an honor to um, have had you on the show today. So thank you for joining us and thank you listeners for being part of our My Favorite Coffee Story family. Um, We've had a wonderful time chatting about uh, Kona coffee and I just hope that some of these stories you find are inspiring and I look forward to sharing more Kona coffee stories with you in the future as well as other personal life stories on My Favorite coffee story next week and in the meantime if you'd like to share some of your questions you're always welcome to send questions to radio at my favorite and once again thanks for joining us have a great week and wish you a wonderful aloha and as i say enjoy your sip of aloha all the best
0: Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week.